that was quite a big surprise for me when I started working with the fishing community. I mean, to me, there should have been recycling facilities and harbours for the last 30 years, and there wasn't. So it was, it was quite a surprise, actually, to find that everyone we approached that were um, keen on making this happen. So if you can start making products that are relevant to the communities you're trying to reach, I think it really helps sort of um, capture imaginations. Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Hello and welcome to episode 39. I'm recording this on Thursday the 22nd of October 2020 and we're well into autumn here in the UK. I'm looking forward to my book, the second edition, being on sale in early November and I'll have a discount code available, so I'll put some details on rethinkglobal.info. It was also great to find out that the United Nations Systems Staff College has been using my Circular Economy Framework and other content on their Circular Economy course, which is running again soon. They've invited me to do a webinar on the Circular Business Module in week three of the course and I'll be exploring what is, and what isn't, sustainable. Today, we're talking to Rob Thompson from Plymouth in the southwest of England. Rob is a multi-award winning innovator, a marine conservationist, a marine litter recycling specialist, and a social entrepreneur. Rob realised the critical and increasing problem of plastic pollution in the oceans, and started doing cleanups in his kayak. During these cleanups, he realised there were three recurring obstacles. Firstly, how to access the inaccessible coves, estuaries and other areas that regular beach cleaners couldn't get to. Secondly, how to dispose of all the plastic that were generating and being collected through those cleanup operations. And thirdly, how to fund the running costs of doing all of that. Rob came up with a way of combining the elements of all three problems with circular economy principles and launched Odyssey Innovations to recycle marine plastics into kayaks and other products. Rob, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to, good to talk to you today. So I first heard about um, you and Odyssey Innovations on BBC Radio 4's Costing the Earth programme about a year ago. And uh, that was a, an episode looking into all the problems of ocean plastics. And having started this um, uh, plastic collection and recycling business back in 2014, um, you've probably got pretty good at all the practicalities now. So tell us about how it, how it works. How do you go out and collect plastics and what kind of plastics are you picking up and so on? Okay. Um, well, to be honest with you, the sort of practical on the ground element has been very much trial and error to be able to find systems at work. Um, we've been the last five years building a sort of network of stakeholders that will enable us to be able to do that. Um, that we recognise the need for it, that those are the conservationists out there like myself that uh, were unhappy with 
collecting material and then black bagging it and not knowing where it was going um that wanted to be able to recycle and um we were doing what we could do in our own small way you know, we were taking out the obviously recyclable things like cans and glass bottles etc and put them through our house or recycling um but we wanted to get viable streams up and running to try and recycle everything that we could um the basic underlying principle I had at the time is a uh, quite a naive concept, really, but it was one based around the, the value of the material. Um, based in Cornwall, based in the southwest, we've got a long history of um, shipwrecking and spills and <laughs> containers washing up on the beaches. And um, if there was a commodity washing up on the beaches, it wouldn't be an issue. People would be down on the shoreline taking it away, valuizing it. Um, but I wanted to try and use that concept again with marine plastic. You know, it, it does have a value um, per tonne. The plastic material we're finding on the beaches can be as valuable as um, scrap metal. And if it was scrap metal, it wouldn't be an issue. So the only real difference was um, for something like scrap metal, there's infrastructure in place. You can take it to your scrap metal merchants, you can recycle it. So your everyday person on the street can do that. Um, the situation we're in with marine plastics is it's everyday people like myself out on the beaches doing the cleanups with nowhere to take this material. So we started building a network with all the different beach clean groups and charities. And now we work with over a dozen different um, charities, beach clean groups to recover and recycle the plastic they're getting through. Um, and a real valuable contributor as well has been the fishing communities. Um, now they're involved in various schemes where they'll go out and when they trawl up plastic um, and other people's lost nets, et cetera, they bring them in for recycling with us. We offer a free recycling service. And a large part of our material now also comes from the end of life nets um, from the fishing industry, which was a material that wasn't being captured before. It was uh, at best being sent to landfill and the fishing community were paying the landfill charges to do that. So that was a real obstacle. So we ended up setting up a free net recycling scheme for them um, to act as a preventative measure, if you like. So they've got alternatives to landfill and they can avoid those landfill charges. So through doing that, that also increased our volume. So then all for going from like um, an individual trying to recycle a small amount of plastic, once you've suddenly got all those other stakeholders on board, we're starting to work up towards volumes and which are viable for recycling. And we can start then getting them to recycling streams, which is what we've done. Mm, brilliant. And um, for somebody who doesn't know much about um, marine plastics and so on, things like fishing nets are they all made of a similar material can you put them all in one recycling stream or is it more complicated and you had to do some sorting yeah uh, it is more complicated unfortunately and it is still an ongoing process and we're involved in some other initiatives where they're looking at ways of redesigning fishing gear to make it simpler it's end of life to to take apart and to um, actually get into viable recycling streams because there is a labor element involved in that um, in general, the majority of the material seems to either be um, polypropylene, polyethylene or nylon um, in various proportions. So um, quite often we do, there is some pretreatment at the harbours where they will segregate the materials the best they can. And then when we forward them on for processing, there's also a further sort of process of breaking down more of those materials. And we're doing a, a joint project now with Plymouth University where we're starting to look at the materials we're not currently capturing and managing to put into the recycling stream, um, like brown rubbers from some of the trawl nets, um, like some of the fish floats and buoys, or some of the typhoon wires, which are a wire which has a sort of nylon core. So you've got sort of composite materials. So we're looking at how we can start sort of trying to um, get those into recycling routes as well. So it's, um, it is a, a sort of ever-evolving, ongoing process um, where we're 
trying to sort of constantly improve and constantly trying to valueize as much of that material as possible. Mm. Yeah, that sounds sensible. So these days you're mainly focusing on um, waste from the fishing industry or are you still collecting um, things like plastic bags and toys and that, that kind of stuff? Yeah, at the moment we're taking everything. So we're getting a huge amount of material through some beach clean groups. Um, we have two different recyclers. We've got Exeter City Council who will take um, anything that can be recycled in the UK. So it's basically all the rigid plastics, all the commonly found things you'll find on your beach cleans. Um, from there, it gets processed in and forwarded on to other processors. Um, when it comes to things like the fishing nets, ropes, etc., that's more challenging when it comes to actually processing. And we don't have any facilities in the UK that are capable of that currently. So that all that material is forwarded onto a company called Plastics out in Denmark. So I work as a sort of UK representative to coordinate collections of that material. Um, and then from both of those sources, uh, depending on what uses we have, we can potentially buy back the material we need to go into various products we're working mm. on and developing. Yeah, brilliant. So it sounds as if you set up an extensive operation there with various partners and ex uh, levels of expertise and, and so on. And what about making the products? How did you, how did you get started on that? Because it wasn't just about um, finding ways to um, sell the recycle, was it? It's turning it into products that people could um, buy and, and kind of tell, us, tell a different story about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so originally I was trying to find somewhere to get material into the recycling streams um i'd heard about the circular economy i love the idea of it because um we need to be working with industry to solve the marine plastic crisis um we know from all the beach cleans we've been doing that we're very familiar with the various brands we see reoccurring on the beach cleans that actually we can complain for people for littering or problems with waste infrastructure stuff getting into the sea but at the end of the day it all originates from somewhere and that is from industry so Getting industry involved from the outset, I think, is absolutely key. And there's various initiatives now to try and encourage them to become more involved, things like extended producer responsibility schemes, et cetera. Um, and so for us, the idea of being able to do something which could be um, a showcase of a circular economy model, which I really like the idea of, and I was trying to do something small scale to begin with, I thought uh, um, I want to try and come up with a product which can showcase the full circularity and prove that it, it could work. Um, I rattled around numerous ideas related to the marine industry because I like the idea of trying to capture people's imagination when it comes to this and prove it's a valuable resource. So I was thinking the usual things you'd associate with the beach. So I was thinking buckets, spades, frisbees, those kind of things. Um, I didn't pursue any of them because we find those regularly on our beach cleans. Um, so that got me thinking <laughs> along the lines of... Yeah, that you're going to carry you on being it. part of the problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, potentially. Uh, the last thing I want to do is develop something which then becomes marine litter. Um, so it sort of got me thinking around that um, if you're going to go down the manufacturing route, you have to put a lot of thought into what you're producing. Is there a need for what you're producing? Is there alternative ways of producing it? Um, something as large as a kayak isn't likely to be discarded very haphazardly. Um, so putting into larger products. And for me, the kayak was the ideal thing because it's something that can be used uh, for accessing for doing the beach cleans. So, um, that's how the kayak idea came about, really. So I've been rattling around various ideas to do the circular economy. And um, we did a cleanup on um, kayaks not manufactured by myself. Um, 
and had the black bag photo at the end with all the black bags next to the kayak. And it literally took that to make me twig that uh, potentially we could be making the kayaks out of this material. Um, I'm not coming from an engineering background. <laughs> so that's, that's probably saved me in a way because had I known <laughs> the extent of the challenges that could potentially be posed for such a simple concept, um, I, it might have been on the back burner for too long. Um, so I kind of um, went into it quite optimistically quite naively in many ways and um, through quite a lot of trial and error tried to find ways of getting it into a product which could be of use um, so I mean especially where, I, where we're located in the southwest the majority of our coastline is inaccessible by foot um, we're lucky that we've got a fantastic momentum of beach clean groups that are regularly cleaning up the beaches uh, which have good public access but um we are finding that you, you only have to paddle a couple hundred metres around the corner from those and you're finding a legacy of decades worth of marine plastic washed up on the sort of inaccessible coves and rocks. So the idea of developing kayaks which could be used for accessing those areas, I, I really like the idea of being able to, to do. Um, and so we ended up sort of looking into ways of potentially developing um, a, a kayak with the idea originally that I could do something small scale. Uh, um, it quickly turned into something that couldn't be small scale. Unfortunately, it's another <laughs> thing with the circular economy. It does take a lot of collaboration, takes a lot of joined up thinking. You're working on sort of scales of economy. So it went from me trying to recycle a little bit of beach litter into a couple of kayaks to setting up um, well, recycling infrastructure along the whole of the Southwest. And now we're trying to do as much as we can nationwide to start looking at recycling plastics as well, because um, it's the only way we really could make things work, to be honest. So uh, that's how things have ended up kind of growing far beyond what our original ambitions were. Um, collaboration is key. We've got some very good partners on board. We work with a kayak manufacturer who's based up in Cleveland um, called Islander Kayaks. Um, they already had 40 years of experience in manufacturing and molding kayaks. I worked on the side with some other companies that, and um, processes to develop a mix that could work in that type of processing, which is roto molding. And once we developed a suitable mix of plastic, that, at that point I approached the kayak manufacturer and said, would you be interested in uh, introducing this into some of your product lines? And that's how we ended up sort of developing the products. Um, and now we're looking at several other products which are being developed uh, more in-house. Mm. Yeah, I noticed on the website there's some uh, outerwear and base layers and um, kind of rock shoes and and things that you uh, could use whilst kayaking. So it all kind of uh, works together, doesn't it, as a as a product range? Yeah, yeah. Th those are things which are um, which are already sort of in stock with the kayak manufacturer. But for us um, personally, from the marine litter, we're looking at developing things like um, surfing hand planes, so like a miniature surfboard, if you like, uh, which are used when you go body surfing. Uh, we're currently in the process of developing those. Um, we've managed to work with a company that makes uh, sort of large-scale grip bins, which are also made out of the same material, which are now in several um, beaches around the southwest where they're going to be used for collecting the marine plastic that go into them, and then we empty those out. So, again, it's a little bit of a sort of circular story there that we're getting that, the plastic collected in the actual containers that are made from the plastic. Um, and we're working with a company that's currently developing water refill stations uh, for on the beaches, which the plastic will, for the creation of the refill stations will also be made out of uh, the material that's coming through our scheme. 
Mm, that's great. And are you finding this, um, you know, being able to tell this circular story, are you finding that's helping spread the word and get people engaged? Definitely. It's all about capturing people's imagination uh, uh, and putting things into context. Uh, it was a very large part of the learning curve for me. I've been recycling for years, but it's only to the extent of putting things in the recycling and then I might buy a recycled product in the shop, but you don't get to see the bit in between. There's very little sort of connection between the two. So if you can start making products that are relevant to the communities you're trying to reach, I think it really helps sort of um, capture imaginations. Um, we're currently working on some products for the fishing industry as well in a similar way. Some things they can actively put back into use by themselves, which will help sort of, uh, sort of drum home the importance and the, the value of recycling as well with those. Mm. And from the perspective of the um, fishing industry and the, and the fishing crews, I guess you've already talked about the, um, the way that you're able to offer them free recycling instead of them having to pay to take it to landfill and so on. Um, are you finding that there's also a level of engagement because they're enjoying and, and feeling um, motivated by doing the right thing and keeping that plastic out of landfill and out of the oceans. Is that a big part of, of the drivers for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised actually working with the fishing industry, just the amount of enthusiasm they have, at their sort of uh, attempts of being sustainable, really. So anything to do with this, they've been really keen on trying to support and um, trying to make it happen. Um, we've had some very good advocators from the fishing industry that have had a need for this for a long time and been looking for these kind of projects. But um, it's only come about really through the circular economy uh, it's um, current recycling models wouldn't work for their industry there simply isn't enough value in that material to make a viable recycling business model of taking their material recycling it and making a profit only through using the circular economy and filling in that gap that's missed in the middle and kind of going right we're going to jump straight beyond that making a profit bit in the middle and go straight to an end product and then try and feed that back into the system and work on a fully circular system that this can actually work you know there simply isn't enough profitability and be able to run a recycling scheme just on the back of re recycling that material uh, it's too much of a sort of um, a loss for most recyclers to take on, on board um, and that was quite a big surprise for me when I started working with the fishing community I mean to me there should have been recycling facilities and harbours for the last 30 years and there wasn't so it was, it was quite a surprise actually to find that everyone we approached that were um, keen on making this happen um, and that nothing had been happening before. Mm. And I guess that thing of, um, you know, the uh, the people involved in the industry being able to tell a, a more interesting story. It's not just that they're now putting those fishing nets into a recycling stream. It's that they're being used to make kayaks and, and kayak gear and, um, you know, plastic collection bins and all that sort of stuff. So that that's a more interesting and kind of uh, engaging story to be able to, to tell and to and to make you feel motivated to put the extra bit of effort into getting that stuff back into a recycling stream. Yeah, definitely. It's just showcasing that the material does have actually does have a value, which I think is key. It's not, um, just physically showing people like it's valuable is a valuable commodity that's come out of it that can be used. You know, uh, yeah, I think it's been a valuable part of the story. Yeah, brilliant. And so looking back on those six years, um, if you had to share one of your top um, lessons learned for anybody else wanting to take their business more circular, what would that be? What would your top tip be? 
Um, try being small. <laughs> Don't be overambitious, which is what... Um, that's why it's taken me six years to get this far. Um, I really struggled to begin with to find any comparable models. Um, it was a field which is very new, the circular economy, especially several years ago. So um, it was a lot of trial and error. And um, I, I've set up a business to be a business working in the circular economy field as opposed to already being an established business. If you're already an established business, especially with all the global challenges there are at the moment, they've got a lot of very pressing concerns and they don't necessarily have the resources that I've been able to have time-wise to be able to develop all the things I've had to develop, all those various elements of supply chain. So I wouldn't want anyone listening to this thinking it's an incredibly complex beast because um, myself personally, I'm involved in every element from recovery to logistics, collections, processing, recycling, end products, retail. You don't have to be involved in all of that. Uh, even if your business is going to take up one element and actually go, we can accommodate that and look at how you can collaborate to incorporate other elements because there's lots of other people out there now wanting to work in this quite fledgling field that could do with support as well and be also be looking for like collaborations then we need a lot more sort of joined up thinking to make this work so um don't be overwhelmed and don't try and recreate the wheel necessarily um try and find who, who else you can collaborate with and try and focus on an element which you think you can have an impact yeah, I think that's that's really sound advice. And often the circular economy is either um, misconstrued as being just about more recycling or people think you've got to completely close the loop and that does seem overwhelming. Um, and when I talk to um, people who I'm uh, coaching and mentoring, I always talk about, you know, looking at the, the risks in your business and thinking about, you know, what could you what one thing could you do that's a bit more circular and just start with that. Start with something that's quite mm -hmm. low risk and use that to learn some lessons and then move on to the next thing and the next thing um, and make it an iter iterative process. Um, brilliant. So what about your plans for the next phase of the business? Um, what What's next for Rob? Um, well, it's looking at the, the most valuable parts of the business, to be honest. And uh, for me, coming from the conservation background, the most valuable thing we're, we're doing is supporting the communities on the ground when it comes to um, having infrastructure in place for recycling and recovery. So it'd be expanding things like the Paddle for Plastic campaign, where we support community groups in going out there and recovering marine plastic on the kayaks. Um, so like to do more on sort of expanding the campaign side of things. I think that's really valuable. Um, and also looking at expanding the recycling and inf infrastructure in the harbours. We do a lot in the southwest. We're working with most harbours here. We're working with another several harbours throughout the south coast of the UK, now up to Ramsgate. Um, but I'm contacted by harbours nationally, really wanting to be involved in the scheme after hearing about it. Um, so I'm currently trying to find support to help sort of expand into those regions to be able to start recycling from other areas as well, because I've seen um, the value from a preventative point of view when it comes to that. Um, so I think it's it's something which the fishing community are ready for. They're very receptive towards, they want to be involved in, so you've got the interest there, which is one of the most valuable things you can have. Um, we, we're just looking for some support now, basically, to try and start building infrastructure in other areas and use that as a sort of showcase of best practice for the fishing industry. Mm. And I guess this model could apply to lots of other countries as well, couldn't it? You know, whilst we've got an awful lot of coastline compared to our um, land surface area, there are lots of other countries that have a substantial fishing, fishing industry and, and uh, could use, use this model as well. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that's been part of it as well, is trying to sort of, well, through trial and error, try and refine the systems we've put in place when it comes to logistics of collections and sorting, etc., and trying to keep costs down as well in many ways, um, mostly because it's been, most of it, especially originally, was self-finance, so it's taken some uh, beg and borrowing it sometimes. Um, so through necessity, the running costs have been kept low, so we've actually, in the long run, that helps us build a very rectal model when it comes to trying to replicate our schemes in other regions. Um, so we'd certainly be looking at sort of trying to roll out recycling schemes in other areas and looking for potential partners that might be interested or people that are interested in running schemes in their regions too that might like to um, work with us. Um, and then on the innovation side of things, that's something that I'm always uh, have pondering on. I've always got a head full of various <laughs> ideas and uh, inventions going on. So that will be something that's always on the sort of tinkering on the background as well, looking at various different products we can start getting uh, the material back into and um, for me it's always things that are relevant to that sector so um, like um, the, the kayaks for recovering from coves the hand planes for the surfing community and trying to uh, something for the fishing industry etc and trying to sort of keep making things that are in context and help really sort of um, showcase that circularity mm, yeah and as and as we said it kind of helps tell the story for the people involved in giving the plastic back as well doesn't it yeah yeah Fantastic. So, Rob, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme to inspire people about the circular economy? Um, well, um, a friend of mine and one of our um, one of the processors of the plastic we use, a chap called Matt Holland from Exeter City Council. He runs the MRF plant up there. Um, so he's been working with us from the outset and looking at how to get more um, bespoke recycling streams like the marine litter into standard recycling streams um so looking at how you can sort of start adding value to this material start getting it into standard streams start sort of working with bigger industries and start building viable business models so um i think he'd be a really good guy to, to quiz he's very knowledgeable and he's got his fingers on the pulse when it comes to what's happening sort of national strategies for recycling etc and the various challenges of that you know with fluctuating um values of materials and other obstacles that come along the way so um, I think it could be quite an interesting chap to talk to. Yeah that sounds interesting and I think over the last year or so with first of all China deciding it wasn't going to process um, what was um, uh, you know labelled as waste plastic but could be waste all sorts of stuff um, there are now concerns about um, you know lack of regulation and and so on um, with lots of other um, countries in the in the global south and will they end up being deluged with um, waste materials from better off countries um, and from a circular economy point of view why don't we just develop our own um, you know recycling infra infrastructure and keep the materials in circulation here it doesn't seem to make sense to offshore the problem to somewhere that doesn't have the um, um, you know easy access to infrastructure and, and so on to do it safely and and uh, and properly um, so yeah, that's that sounds like a good recommendation. And Rob, if if people want to find out more about you and Odyssey Innovations, how do they get in touch? Um, through the website. So we've got a website www.odysseyinnovation.com. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, so if anyone would like to sort of keep up to date with what we do, um, or if they're interested in any of our campaigns, like the Paddle for Plastic campaign, we have a separate page for that on, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, which is basically just about encouraging people to go out and collect marine litter um, from otherwise inaccessible places. 
Um, so yeah, so if anyone's interested, please get in touch. Brilliant. And we'll put those links in the show notes at circuitreconomypodcast.com so that people can get in touch and find out more about Odyssey Innovation and the Paddle Full Plastics campaign. Rob, thanks very much for talking to us today. It's a really interesting story and it's great to see how much you've moved things on from those original ideas and wrestling with the three, three intractable problems and finding a really good circular solution. Thank you very much. No, thank you. It was fascinating to hear how much thought Rob put into coming up with the right kind of products to make things that would help with solutions for marine plastics and beach waste and wouldn't end up back on the coastlines as part of the problem. Rob seems to be continually exploring different routes to creating and encouraging the right infrastructure and methods of separation so all the different types of materials can recover value and get back into the relevant supply chains. And I was impressed by Rob's progress in making all those connections and setting up collaboration opportunities with recycling companies, the local government and its recycling teams, with the fishing industry, and with organisations like the Ocean Recovery Project and the Paddle for Plastic campaign. Odyssey Innovation is now working with quite a few harbours around the South West. And as Rob said, they'd like to expand to other areas of the UK. Rob's created a brilliant circular model using plastic waste to help collect more plastic waste. And he's found ways to tap into or set up viable recycling routes for many of the wide range of plastics getting into the oceans. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you like this episode, please tell others about it. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can find the podcast show notes with transcripts and links on rethinkglobal.info. Please let us know what you'd like us to feature on the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. You can get in touch via our website, rethinkglobal.info, or connect with me on LinkedIn. See you next time.